It's good to see everybody this morning. Turn with me to the book of Acts, chapter 13. Chapter 13. Continue in our study in the book of Acts. If you're visiting with us this morning, thank you for being here. We're so glad that you're here. We are, um, as we, when we gather together for worship and uh, we open God's Word, we're, we're an expository preaching church, which means we, are, we walk through big chunks of text or even entire books, and that's what we've been doing for several months, is we are walking through the entire book of Acts, and every one of those passages that we look at and we break down is just an incredible truth from God's Word. And so we, for the last couple of weeks, we've been in chapter 13, so we're going to continue. We're going to finish out chapter 13 this morning. But before we do that, let's kind of pretend like, let's, let's take a little bit of drone footage here. Let's, you know, send the drone up and kind of hover over. Let's go pretty high and just kind of remind ourselves of kind of where we are. If we go way up and we look around, we see this amazing book that we've been in for several months that we're walking through, the book of Acts. Does anyone remember who wrote the book of Acts? Luke. There you go. Okay. Originally called, do you remember what the original title was when it was written? The Acts of the Apostles. Okay. So we see clearly in this book, and we are seeing clearly what Jesus called the church to, and that we find that very at the very beginning of Acts, um, in Acts chapter one verse eight, when when Jesus said this to his disciples, his apostles, as they were as they were kind of there with him before he ascended, he said, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth." And so then, you know, they continue to stay there and, and looking, and then the angels came, and they're like, what are you doing standing here? we got stuff to do, so let's get going. And so that's what we've been, again, looking at. And so from there, the drone comes down just a little bit, and we begin to see the stories of the early church. We get to see how this verse, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, how it was carried out. We see the gospel begin to spread, just like Jesus said in that order. We see the gospel begin to spread in Jerusalem to the Jews. We see the beginnings of the early church with the Jews, um, some Jews coming to Christ and that, that church that began there in Jerusalem. We see then the gospel begin to spread outside of Jerusalem. We see a man named Saul who had been persecuting those Jewish Christians, and he came face to face with Jesus. His life was turned upside down. He, he moved from death to life. He, began, he followed Jesus Christ. Jesus saved this man, Saul, who then immediately began to share the good news of Jesus. We then see the beginning of the spreading of the gospel to those outside the Jewish community as it began to spread. We see the church begin to go out to the Gentiles, okay, so the drone is coming down even closer, our drone comes down closer, and then we hover over chapter 13, where we've been the last few weeks, and we see a very specific church, the church at Antioch, a church that was on fire, and I mean that by that they just wanted to be used by, by God. We kind of use those terms sometimes, like they were just on fire for the Lord. All that meant, it was they were like, look, God, use us, show us what to do, send us where we need to go, help us to know what we need to do to tell others about Jesus, this was a church on the move, a church seeking the Lord. We found at the very beginning of chapter 13, they were praying, they were fasting, they were waiting, they were listening, ready to be used by God. The Holy Spirit then guided them and said, send out Paul and Barnabas and send them out to go, to go preach and share the gospel. So they, though they did, they partnered with them, they prayed for them, they sent them on their way. They end up, Paul and Barnabas, on the island of Cyprus they share, they teach, they evangelize. Okay, this is all in chapter 13. Um, they face opposition. They see God 
save this very important Roman proconsul and his family. We find archaeological you know, data later that shows and proves that that family came to know Jesus. Paul and Barnabas then continue their journey. They end up in Pisidian Antioch. Okay, that Antioch is not the same Antioch that sent them out. Okay, so just make sure you understand that as you, as you do that, okay, as, you re- as we read that. So they end up here, and then here God opens up this incredible door to proclaim the gospel. And then last week when, when my wife and I, we were on a, a marriage retreat and we were leading worship, Jimmy preached on a very long passage. You see how I planned that? It's like, here you go, Jimmy. You get to read that. I don't, I, did you read that whole passage? Okay, good job. All right, so we see that big, huge passage. And, and really what, what was Paul doing? He was presenting the gospel to those Jews using a culmination of history to point them to Jesus. Okay, so, so we see all of that. That's where we were last week. So the drone comes down and hovers over the passage this morning. And so here this morning, okay, so we've kind of all, we've got caught up, okay? So if you've got your notes, you're ready to go. We come down, we, Paul has just preached this incredible sermon. Um, these people have listened, okay? <clears throat> and so this morning, we get to see their response, okay? We get to see the response to the gospel. And so what we, what we also get to see this morning is kind of interesting. We get to see how divisive the gospel really was, it, that, that it was troubling to some who heard the gospel. The gospel can be divisive. We're going to talk about that in, in this morning a little bit. But what we really see here is the power of the gospel, that when the gospel is preached, when the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus, right? We believe that. When the gospel is preached, it is powerful. It moves. And for some it brings, it brings an interesting response, a negative response. And for others, it brings a life-changing positive response. So we're going to see the two kind of responses this morning from this incredible sermon that Jimmy uh, shared with us last week. Okay, so let's, let's open our Bibles, Acts chapter 13, verses 42 through 52. I've been having uh, different volunteers come up and read our passage um, each morning and each, each Sunday. And so this morning, I'm asked my lovely wife to come. And so John is going to come and grab this mic and read these 10 verses and then pray for it. So the cool thing about walking through passages and expository preaching is we get to kind of go verse by verse. It makes it really easy if you're taking notes because you get to go, okay, here we are. Here's where the verse is. We get to move on to the very next verse. So that's what we'll be doing this morning as we do each week. So what we see here, what we're going to see here this morning is the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel as it is, as it is preached, as it is spoken, as it is shared, there is power in the name of Jesus. If you are a follower of Christ, if you've been saved by his grace, if you've come to that point where you have Follow, follow Jesus and said, I want Christ to be the Lord of my Savior. He's called to you. If, you. if you understand this, then you know it is true because the power of the gospel got a hold of you. You understand the power of the gospel. If you're a true believer, you're going to go, yeah, I get that. I get that. Because you remember, you remember when it confronted your sin. It called to you. You responded in faith. You knew you needed a Savior. It brought you from death to life. It saved you from your sins. It covered you with God's grace on top of grace. It brought peace to your life. You understand that. You, you, you feel these things. And if you're a believer, you understand the power of the gospel. And I would, I would, I would say if you don't, then you might want to make 
you might want to think about. Am I truly a believer in Jesus? If you don't understand that there's that the power of the gospel that has changed your life, I would say, you know, like, think about that. Do I just come to church? Am I just a church member? Am I just into religion? But if you truly are a follower of Jesus, you get it. You get the power of the gospel. Uh, Paul, talks, Paul describes the gospel in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. See that phrase right there, so important. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for it is the power of God. In that verse, and, and you know, we're going to be back in Acts just a second, but in that verse in Romans, that Greek word for power is, the Greek word is dunamis, which literally translate to dynamite. Okay, that's what Paul's trying to describe the power of God, the power of God for salvation. And he uses a term that we in English, we're like, the only word we have for that is dynamite. The gospel is like dynamite, and it can be a positive explosion of truth and salvation to those who hear, but it can also have a negative effect in the same way um, as people respond to this gospel truth. And we shouldn't be surprised by this, right? We shouldn't be surprised, and you're kind of going, I don't get this negative and positive response. Well, okay, Jesus talked about this, okay? Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Remember when we went through the Sermon on the Mount? What an incredible, the most incredible sermon ever preached by Jesus himself, and he talks about this very clearly. Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, what does Jesus say? He says this, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. That's where so many are going down. They're entering that wide gate that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. So the gospel goes out, and you have two responses. There are many that are walking down this road to destruction. It's the easy way. Jesus says, you know, my way is narrow. My way is narrow, but that's where life is found. Narrow is the gate, few find it. The wide gate is where the masses go, which lead to destruction. And this morning, again, as we look at these 10 verses that that John had just read, we get to see the response, the two responses to the gospel message. So remember, okay, remember, the drone was up there. Okay, so what we looked at last week, this long, powerful presentation of the gospel. Let's look deeper into how the people responded. Okay, so if you're writing down notes, if you're taking notes, the first thing we see in verses 42 through 44 as we walk through it is the initial response to the gospel, the initial response to the gospel. Okay, look at 42. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath, okay? So they're, they're, they're excited. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who, as they spoke with them, urged them to continue the grace of God, continue in the grace of God. And the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Okay, so what was the initial response? Paul comes, he shows up, he starts preaching, the gospel goes out, and what we see at the very beginning, the response of these people, um, is it's pretty good. It's pretty favorable. They seemed pleased. Okay, verse 42 says they were listening. They begged that Paul speaks, like, would you, would you come back and speak next week? They were intrigued. I think I used the word intrigued. <laughs> I think they were like, 
something about this is intriguing. It's something that seems very interesting. Remember, there's power in the name of Jesus, right? Okay, we should not have to be scared, although we are sometimes. We're fearful when we want to say Jesus. We want to tell people about Jesus. But just remember, there's power in the name of Jesus. There's, it's dynamite. It's, it's like an explosion of truth. And when people hear the name of Jesus, when they hear the gospel, they're going to take notice. And, but they're going to have one of two responses. And so we see here that, that Paul is preaching the gospel. He's pointing people to Jesus. And they seem, please, they, they listened. They begged that come, Paul come back again the next week. They were intrigued. They were, they were, the truth was drawing them to, to God. And so what did Paul do? Paul drove the people back to the Old Testament um, okay, remember who he's kind of he's speaking to the Jews here. Most, most of them were Jewish people at this time. And Paul, he came in and he said, okay, let's, let's go back to your history. And so what did Paul do? He drove them back to the Old Testament. They saw their history. The Jewish people, list, they were listening, and they, they were no doubt really proud, weren't they? Like, they were going, yes, we are God's chosen people. They were proud of that. And so Paul was using that to point them to Jesus. Another thing that we see, not only were they pleased with what they were hearing, they were also persistent. Um, verse 43, uh, first part of verse 43, they were following Paul and Barnabas. They had been affected by this message. They wanted to keep discussing it. They were saying, please come back and tell us more. Now look at, look at 43, the second half of verse 43, if you're following along in your verses there. It seems that some in that moment, actually believed in the gospel, okay? They were listening, uh, verse 43b, they were, they were urging Barnabas to continue, Paul and Barnabas to continue, and so to, to keep speaking, and then what did Paul and Barnabas do? They said, okay, continue in the grace of God. Now, that's an interesting phrase that we see in verse 43. It seems that in the crowd, there were some who professed belief in Jesus. And so what Paul and Barnabas in that moment in those discussions they were saying, okay, those of you that that did that have genuine faith, keep in the grace of God. Continue on in the grace of God. Why would they say to continue on? Well, because we see in scripture that perseverance in the faith is a mark of true faith. Those who have true faith in Jesus persevere in the grace of God. Paul tells us in Colossians that, that if you are a truly believer, then you will continue in your faith. You, don't, you, won't, you won't leave. You won't, you won't run away from it. You won't say, well, I don't believe anymore. Those who are true believers continue. They persevere. Now, it doesn't mean that you don't have seasons of struggle or doubt. It doesn't mean that you don't wrestle with the Lord at times and go, Lord, this is tough. But true believers continue. They persevere in the faith. And I mean, we see in Scripture sometimes when people have left and, and the Bible says, well, you know, they were really never part of us because they weren't really true believers. John, Jesus himself, John in chapter 8, verse 31, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So, it, so we go back, okay, back to, back to Acts. Here's some Jews, they're listening, they're going, oh, this is, this is good. Some were intrigued. Some, there was a few there that, that it seems that truly believed. But not all, not all that were hearing it were, were genuine. Not all that were hearing this truth really, truly, I mean, they, they thought it was kind of cool. 
They, they were proud of their heritage, but, they, but many of them were not saying, I truly want to follow Jesus. And this was an issue for many of Paul's Jewish listeners. Remember, Paul's a Jew, okay? He was, he was, a, he was a very religious man, so he, he understands this. But there were many of Paul's Jewish listeners, and here's what they had. They had a false sense of security, okay? A false sense of security. They were listening. They're like, yeah, I'm so glad I'm God's chosen people. But Paul was like, no, it's, it's about Jesus. It's about Christ as the Messiah. He is the true Savior. But there were many Jews that had a false sense of security. And many Jews, they were always tempted to fall back into legalism. Like, I just want to, we just got to go back to, to the way we've always done things. And so they had this follow, you know, following the law as a false sense of salvation. I was thinking about that and going, you know what? There's many even today, you know, not, not Jewish people, but just, just people in church that have a false sense of security. Did you know that coming to this church building does not save you? Did you know that when you, that, maybe, that being baptized in, in you know, the, uh, the pool or baptismal, you know, wherever, that water did not save you? Did you know, this, this is going to shock you, did you know that having a, mem- a church membership, does not save you. I told you a story just a few weeks ago about the, the man that called me um, after we moved into this building, and he was, he was panicking. He's like, I, I went to this church when it, back when it was a different, different church. He's like, do you have, I just, I'm looking for a record of my baptism. I just don't know if I'm saved or not. I just, but I feel like, I think I remember getting baptized, and we had a conversation that that baptism did not save him. The baptism, the baptism is that outward picture of what Jesus has already done in someone's life. Christ is the only one that saves. And there's many that have walked an aisle or, or got wrapped up in the emotion of a camp or even a, a weekend, a, a youth weekend of some sort, and they see their friends make a decision, and they don't know, and they, they, get, they, they walk down, like, but they never got saved because they never had a confrontation with Jesus Christ face-to-face, confronting their sin. Realizing they're a sinner and realizing they needed Jesus Christ as their Savior. There's many that, that spend their life checking off religious lists, like, I'm a pretty good person. I'm a pretty good person. There are many that think that just because mom and dad took me to church, then I, gotta be, I must be saved. Or just because my grandparents uh, went to church or my grandpa was a deacon somewhere, well, I guess my family, that, well, I guess we're saved. That's not it. Only in Jesus Christ, only in Jesus Christ can we be saved. Is your faith genuine? Do you know the power of the gospel in your life, the power of Jesus? Are you abiding in Christ? Are you persevering in your faith? Which means, do you have a desire to obey him? I think sometimes we get, we, we get scared. We see verses like that. We're like, okay, if I'm truly a believer that I'm going to obey his commands. That's what the Bible says. You know, it's like, well, I didn't yesterday. Thank you for Jesus' grace, right? Thank you for his, his grace. Yes, we as true believers, we do fail. We do sin. But do we have a desire to say, God, that was not right. I agree with you that that sin was wrong. Forgive me. I know I'm forgiven because of what you did on the cross, but I just desire to obey you. Do you have a desire to obey Jesus? True believers persevere. They desire to obey. Or... Are you just wrapped up in a religion? 
You're just wrapped up in a church membership. You're just wrapped up in, in denominationalism. You're just wrapped up in, in you know, whatever, because it, it, I, I, I like that church building because it has stained glass windows, and that makes me feel like I'm religious. I mean, what, what are you wrapped up in? Are you wrapped up in a religion, or do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's, that's the question. And those Jews that were listening to, to Paul preach, that's what they were dealing with. They had this heritage, they had this, this history, and they were, they were wrapped up, they were just so proud of themselves for being God's chosen people. But Paul was presenting Jesus to them, and a few of them did believe, but many did not. Another thing that happened, though, in this moment, that at least they were, sh- they were showing up. They, it all seemed pretty positive, they, they were pleased, they were persistent, some professed, and then here we come to the next Sabbath in verse 44. Okay, so we're following along. We're in verse 44. And the whole assembly, uh, the whole city assembled to hear the word of God. But that's, this is where it got interesting. Okay, this is where we see this, these two responses. Okay, so let's move on, verses 45 through 49. And what we get to see here in this passage right here is the negative and the positive response to the gospel. Okay, remember Romans 1.16 that, that I shared, the gospel is like dynamite, okay? It's powerful. It, it, it's, the gospel is the power of God. It is, it is, it is um, that's pretty descriptive. And so we, we understand that if we are, are true believers. And so here we see that dynamite kind of go off, the gospel is shared, and we see the negative and the positive response to that explosion of truth, the power of the name of Jesus. Okay, so the first one we see is the negative response to the gospel. Look at verses 45 through 45. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy. Okay, remember? Okay, I'm sorry. I know we just started reading that. Okay, remember. Big long passage, big sermon. They're hearing it. Like, this is intriguing. I like this. Hey, Paul, would you come back next week? Because we want to hear more. Okay, he's come back, and here we go. But what happens when the Jews saw the crowds, when they saw people not like them? When they saw the Gentiles, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. The moment they saw someone else that was not like them, they got upset. And then verse 46, and Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, the Jews, since you thrust it aside and judge yourself unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to. So they were filled with jealousy. They began to contradict. They saw, these, they saw the Gentiles come, and, and they're like, oh, no, not, not the Gentiles. No, not, not people that are not like us. Why? Why? Why did they have this response? See, we've got to understand that many, for, for many Jews, the thought of God's blessing extending to people that, that they despised, this infuriated them. It infuriated them. This, this racial tension, this attitude, then caused them to, like, they were intrigued, they were, they were listening, they wanted to hear more, but then as soon as they saw this, they began to, to speak against what Paul was saying. And what is so heartbreaking about those couple of verses right there is that many in that moment rejected the gospel. Just the minute they saw Someone not like them. The minute that all that, that, that attitude, that tension, that 
the stuff that they, they had inside, the minute they saw that, they, that at that moment they rejected. And so Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly saying, you, you heard the message, yet right now you are thrusting it aside. You are rejecting it. God's plan was for salvation to be offered to you, your chosen people. But now we're seeing the Jewish people reject it. And by doing this, Paul says, you've, they've judged themselves unworthy of eternal life. They've judged themselves. They, they have rejected. So what's interesting here is we see this biblical truth of human responsibility. There is a response to the gospel. When the gospel goes out, there is a response by us. Even uh, Jesus talks about it, John 5, 40, he says, yet you refuse. You refuse to come to me that you may have. John 8, 24, he says, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. So there is this aspect of human response to the hearing the gospel. Hearing the gospel when we are confronted with the power of the gospel. And so this Jewish idea that salvation was only for the Jewish was, was so narrow-minded. It was so narrow-minded. And, and here's the thing. It was not taught to them. It was not taught in the Old Testament. This was something in their own sin, their own, their own, their own racism, their own attitudes, all the stuff that they had created in their religion. This was not taught to them in the Old Testament. The Old Testament clearly taught that the Messiah and salvation would be sent to the Gentiles as well. See, the power of the gospel, dynamite, the explosion of truth, the power of the name of Jesus, and we see that very negative response. But here's, the, here's, here's what's cool. The, we, we get to see the other side of it. The gospel goes out in this moment, and there are people's lives that are changed. People's lives. And so we see now the positive response to the gospel. Look at verses 48 and 49. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing. They began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. So here we, here we get to see you know, the power of the gospel, dynamite going off, truth of God's word, truth of Jesus. We see this negative response, but we also get to see the positive. We get to see the life change, the miracle of salvation. Because in contrast to the Jewish attitude towards the Gentiles and the gospel in this moment, we get to see the response of those who found life. And what did it, what did it bring them to? It just made them rejoice. I, I, I think that's interesting. You've got all these people over here going, and like, they didn't care. They're over here going, Jesus just saved me. You guys, what's wrong with y'all? Jesus saved me. What did it bring the Gentiles who were listening and responding? They began rejoicing, glorifying the word of the Lord. Those who, in God's sovereignty, called to them. Those who, he says, he appointed. Okay, we see that tension, right? We see that God is the one who calls. God is the one who saves. God is, I mean, we see the tension of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. They go hand in hand. It's difficult for us to, to read. We're like, okay, we could refuse, but then we see that word appoint, so it's all right there. It's the tension that we can't really truly understand sometimes, but we know what we do know is that it's, it's Christ alone, right? That it's Christ who saves. Salvation is found in Christ alone. But what else? 
what else? They're rejoicing. They're saying, praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. Praise for the word of truth that has been spoken that I'm saved. But what else do we see here that happens when people find Jesus? What else happens when people truly find Jesus? Look at verse 49. Look at verse 49. And the word of the Lord was spreading throughout the whole region. That's just stuck right there. What happens when we truly find Jesus? We can't help but tell others about this is tough, right? We just remember when we first started this morning. We're like, "What? What? Do you have? Do you have genuine faith? Are you truly a follower of Christ? If you if you truly are a follower of Christ, then then you understand the power of the gospel in your life, how it changed you. If you're truly a follower of Christ, then you're going to persevere. You're going to desire to obey. You're going to want to be more like Jesus. You're going to. You're, I mean, it's a it's a process. Yes, sanctification. It goes through your whole life as you grow and mature and you walk through struggles. But you desperately desire to know God and to know Him more and to please God and to obey Him. And another thing, a mark of true believers, if you say, yes, Chris, I have genuine faith, a mark of true believers is you desperately want to tell people. You desperately want to tell others what Jesus has done in your life. And that's what we see in the early church. That's what we see in these stories. These people are like, yes, thank you, Jesus. And they immediately like, let's go tell others about Him. And the word began to spread throughout the entire question. Believer, first of all, do you still rejoice in your salvation? Is this like, yeah, I guess I better go to church. I guess it's time to go to church. This is what we do. I'm just going to sit through this, get out of here. All right, we checked it off. Or do you get excited? Like, we get to come. We get to be a part of, of this family of God. We get to come and see our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. But we also, our, our, the main reasons we get to gather and we get to worship together. We get to praise Jesus. We get to, to open his word, we get to study, we get to sharpen each other, we get to pray with each other, we then get to go out together, we get to, to walk life together. Do you still rejoice in your salvation? Believer, do you still tell others about what Christ did? Something I, I remind myself all the time is, Chris, don't ever get over, don't ever get over what Christ did for you on the cross. Don't ever get over it, because it is awesome. It is a miracle. Don't get over it. So Paul and Barnabas preaching the gospel. The, the initial response you know, the, from the Jews was, was pretty positive. They were intrigued. Maybe even a few believed. But then came the two types of responses as they were confronted with true salvation. For many Jews, sin creeped in. And their disgust for other people blinded them to the gospel of Jesus. But to many Gentiles, they experienced being brought from death to life that day, and they rejoiced. The gospel, the power of God, the dynamite had gone off right here in the city of Antioch. And at the end of the chapter, we see the ultimate results of all of this that happened. Okay, the last two verses, last three verses. Verse 50. But the Jews, but those who did not believe, those who rejected, but the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. They drove them out of the district, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So, so the truth of the gospel had been preached. We saw the narrow gate the, uh, versus the wide gate. We see the two different responses, those who rejected the gospel they, and what did they do? They just continued to persecute. They got so upset, they 
drove Paul and Barnabas out. They continued to persecute. They hated the truth. This is the power of the gospel, the power of Jesus' name. It's, that's crazy, right? The truth, I mean, the truth of Jesus, it's, it's love. It's grace. It's salvation. It's forgiveness of sin. It's eternal life. It's abundant life. It's peace. It's joy. And yet many still rejected. And those who rejected it instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas. It, it drove them completely out. And so Paul and Barnabas, they, they got sad and they found a cave. And they lived out their life because they were so just disappointed in what had happened. They're like, okay, let's get on. Let's go to the next town. Let's keep going. It, 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 <laughs> I love it. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They shook the dust off, their, dust off their feet. And from that city, they left two very different groups of people. The first group they left were those who rejected the gospel, filled with anger, filled with hate. And they left a group that found filled with joy, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with rejoicing, and filled with just the desire to tell anyone they could about the name of Jesus. So as we come to the close of this this morning, I just ask again. We've been, we've been asked to, throughout this whole passage, where are you? What group are you in? Are you in the group? Are you filled with anger? Or are you filled with joy, filled with peace because you know Jesus Christ? I plead with you this morning. I plead with you this morning. Do not reject the love of Jesus. It's here. It's been offered. Christ alone, Christ, you can find salvation. If Christ, if you feel the calling on your heart and, and the Holy Spirit is confronting you with your sin and you know that, that, you, that you need a Savior, do not reject the love of Jesus. Do not reject the saving message. Christian, those of you like, yes, yes, I, I do love Jesus and I, I do understand the power of the gospel, and I do remember when Christ saved me and brought me from death to life. This is what I ask of you this morning. Meditate on your salvation in Christ. Rejoice. Do not lose. Do not get over it. Do not lose the joy of your salvation. Rejoice in it. Remember that joy. And then think about those people that day that heard the message of Jesus and, and they began rejoicing. And what did they do? They went out and they told people. God's put you in places, whether it's, it's your, your workplace, whether it's, it's your family, whether it's your school or your co-op or your, the teams that you play, you know, play sports on and the places that you go, the, the things that you're involved in, all those places. That is your mission field. Tell others about what Jesus did the word of the Lord spread throughout that entire region. What a powerful, powerful chapter. The whole chapter of, you know, chapter 13. The church on their knees saying, Lord, God, would you just show us what we need to do? We just want to be used by you. Sending out missionaries. The gospel message going out, changing lives. And then those whose lives were changed continue to spread the message of Jesus. This should get us excited, right? That should get us excited. We get to be a part of that. We are part of that spreading. We have heard the good news, and many of us in this room know Jesus. So let's go and spread and tell others about Christ. And if you need Christ this morning, don't reject it. Don't leave here this morning 
without knowing the power of the gospel. God, thank you for, for this, this passage. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that we get to see the gospel all through it, all through this chapter. And I pray that you would save lives this morning. I pray. Maybe there's a student here that's been, been on Impact Weekend and they've been, they've been hearing about you and been having discussions and hanging out and maybe they, they just need to be saved to enter by the narrow. There's an adult here that, that has been living their whole life, just kind of like, yeah, I go to church sometimes, or yeah, I'm a church member, or, yeah, I remember. But they've never truly experienced the power of the gospel. They're feeling that call on their lives this morning. And for those of us that, that know you, God, remind us of what you did for us on the cross. Remind us of how we were dead in our sins and you saved us. You brought us from death to life. You've, you've given us your, your grace on top of grace. We've experienced it. And we know the peace and the joy and, and, the, and just the, ex, the excitement of knowing you, the, the hope of eternal life. We know that. Let us remember that. Let us rejoice in that and let us go and tell others about your word. Thank you for Jesus. We love you. We give you all the glory. It's in Christ's name we pray.